Wednesday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast, and there is no better way to get through hump day than with a bunch of football analytics. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield, we are in studio just as we are every single weekday as your hosts. And Mark, we've got a new addition to the team, and we're going to be doing a little bit of football uh, football and numbers. There is nothing better on a Wednesday. Absolutely nothing better on a Wednesday. Fired up for the show, man. Burning my A game. We might actually have to make this a regular thing, kind of like Kicker Friday. Kind of like Kicker maybe, Friday. Maybe yeah. we do Numbers Wednesday, you numbers know, something Wednesday. like that. It Can might we just be... have quarterback Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday then? No, you guys get you guys get Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you got those days all to yourself, so we're going to have to uh, kind of restrict you, I think, a little bit more, actually. I've been meaning to talk to you about it. Oh, man. I'm not, I haven't checked my uh, employee inbox. That's because you don't have one anymore. So That's true. With that being said, I do want to introduce our guest. It is Ethan Young, uh, one of the newest members of Inside the Pylon. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Drafter. And Ethan, appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, and, and one of the uh, one of the pieces I know that you've worked on for a while now uh, is a essentially it's a statistical method that you put together called Sladex, and I was wondering if you could go through just what it is actually, just for people who aren't familiar with your work, uh, just a quick introduction as to what it is that you're doing there. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, uh, simple in in grandiose terms, but you know a little bit more complicated when you get in the nitty gritty. But basically, what we're doing is uh, taking guys who are identifying NFL prospects with very uh, whose measurables, you know, athleticism, data, size, and all that point to them having very high chances of success, and identifying those guys and identifying the players with very low chances of success. And in, in, uh, in terms of uh, helping to identify which players teams should pick or avoid, and uh, you know, one thing I always like to say is it's not a big board. You know, like we come we come out with all these numbers, and it's and we don't use it that way. It's more as a tool, um, something you can use to, to, to restructure your board or, or maybe identify some players that are very high risk or identify some gems maybe on day three that, you know, have a very high chance of success at, at some positions you need. And, you know, so much goes into the evaluation process, and this is just something I think uh, that, that needs to go in as well. So I want to dig into that a little bit. So it almost sounds like what you're saying there is that for – day one and maybe some early day two picks, it's about trying to remove risk and saying, okay, these are certain characteristics that kind of skew the risk-reward one way for these slots. But then on the back end of the draft, it's almost in terms of, okay, here's some guys that maybe it's worth reaching for because they actually have these characteristics. Is that the, the sense that I get? Yeah, that's one way you can look at it, and I think that's a, a lot of ways you know teams look at it now a little bit. Uh, in terms of athleticism data just alone is they use it that way. But I think another good way to look at it too is if, you know, if you are going to factor it in day one is, you know, I'm looking at two guys, all right, who has the higher chance of success, right? If I'm looking at two offensive tackles or two corners and I'm trying to decide which one I want, I'm, I want to take the one that has, you know, if everything, everything else is equal, I'd much rather have the one that has a higher chance of success based on, on top data and measurables. So, I think it's something you can be used all through the draft, but you know that's very uh, that approach is something that I know a lot of people are fans of grabbing the athletic gem, you know, kind of on day three, and, and avoiding the the unathletic guys early on. But um, you know, I've run some data on on the unathletic guys in general, and there's some some like the fourth round is actually a big dead spot for the unathletic guys. So it's it's kind of interesting to see um, against the conventional wisdom a little bit, but. 
in in very simple strokes, yeah, I'd agree that that's a, that's a good way to look at it. When you say the the fourth round is a bit of a dead spot, what do you mean by that? Here, I can pull that up for you. I have a list here. Let me open up this. So, yeah, what I did was I ran... Uh, so, how I evaluate how successful my analytics are is I use a system called uh, Return on Draft Capital. So, basically, I assign a pick, sort of like a trade value chart. I assign a pick, uh, a point value. And I do that in terms of... A, approximate value, a stat by pro football reference to use those. So uh, I, I assign each pick a point slot. So if a guy's picked second overall, he's expected to uh, return a certain output in, in terms of AD. So uh, how I how I measure success is with the guys in the, the top athletes, right, I measure how many of them exceed their uh, draft capital. So if a guy has a positive return on draft capital, it means he's, he's worth or see the value of his pick, and a guy has a negative draft capital, return on draft capital, that means he's not been worth his pick. And uh, so what I did is then I take all the return on draft capitals of the high and lows, and I ran a, a study in terms of, all right, which round uh, in terms of, so I'll take all the red players, which is what I call the unathletic group or the, the group with low measurables because obviously size is in there as well, uh, length and all that. And uh, I, so I'm identifying which round reds are most successful in and applying that to the values of the draft pick they're being selected with. So the the fourth round was a bit of an outlier in terms of, yeah, I can pull up the, uh, yeah, so the first round is obviously the worst, the worst round to take them in in terms of, of, of getting a return. And the third round is actually worse than the second round which is a little bit odd. You'd think it would kind of be linear in terms of first, second, third, but the third is actually a lot worse than the second. Um, the fourth is right there with the second, which is a little bit odd, and then it sort of kind of drops down, and the best spot to obviously get the unathletic players is uh, due to the undraft, is an undraft free agency because there's no, uh, no very for entry there, right? It's just free-for-all. So uh, a question, and so I'm, I'm just fascinated by this entire topic just because it's something that I find incredibly interesting, just because, you know, again, you would expect to see, as you said, kind of a linear progression where it's okay, we're better at doing this uh, the closer we are to the first round. It, is there a skew uh, for different positions as well where there Absolutely. are... Absolutely. Can you give me any uh, information on that, or is that entirely proprietary at this point? Um, I can give you information on that, but I'm, I don't want to right now because I'm recalculating some of those numbers to make sure they're exactly right, and I don't want to say something that's uh, wrong. Okay. But, okay. But, yes, uh, that's something that certain positions, uh, the way I like to think of it is, uh, let me see if I can do this without giving any exact numbers, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll tell Basically, I'll tell you what at, at the very least you've guaranteed that we're going to have to have you back on at some point just to talk uh, about those right. numbers. That was my plan. Yeah, you played that this was my perfectly. Plan. <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing I, I, I did say is um, at edge rusher it's really big. Um, at wide receiver it's big. Um, uh, at quarterback the lower bound is really big. It does not matter in terms of the elite size and you just it's more you need to hit the minimum threshold. Um, the only quarterback since 1999 that has a positive return on draft capital below my threshold is David Garrard. Uh, so when, when a guy like Brandon Allen or uh, Vernon Adams falls below there, you kind of raise an eyebrow and say, all right, well, do we want to draft these guys? I mean, is it really worth it to have the upside of David Garrard, right, and so many oh, hundreds of other failures? So it doesn't really paint a good picture that way. But um, it, 
one thing I will say is that some positions, if you apply this literally, which is not the best way to apply it, um, you know, you got to do it on a case-by-case basis. There's so many other things that go into an evaluation, but if you apply it literally, if you avoid red players completely and only take the blue players, which is the top level, right, it's very, very, there's only eight or nine of those guys in a draft class, you can increase the success rate of your picks back to 74% at some positions. Wow, so you're, you're talking, this is not a small difference. This is potentially a huge no. difference here. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're at, I mean, David Carr, uh, I'm sure you guys are, not, not Derek, but the younger, the older brother, um, he was a guy that my system, you know, he went first overall, and my system was a big no-no on him at quarterback. That's, my quarterback one's been one of the more effective ones, but uh, yeah, Ed, the, the 74% was the edge rusher. That, uh, that one has been very effective. Uh, if applied literally, which is obviously not the way it should be applied, right? And you, but uh, if you do apply it that way in, in terms of just raw improvement in data, uh, the edge rushers improved by 74%. And I don't have the numbers here for every other position, uh, but, you know, they're all big improve- They're all sizable enough improvements to where I, I spend a lot of time doing this. Now, I, I don't know if you've dug into this yet, and maybe it's something that you're working on. Is this system applicable to... Uh, looking at free agents as well, or is there too much discrepancy between when these athletic measurements are recorded and when players are signing their first free agent contracts? Uh, yes and no, and I think a, a lot of what you said there in terms of it's so far away, it's hard to, to gauge, but um, the one thing I do do is I, I created a stat called True Freak Rating, and I put that, that's the size and length component of my analytics. Uh, they go with the athleticism part, which is Spark. Um, the, the size and length component doesn't change. And there's some positions where size and length is vital and, and oftentimes predictive. Safety is one spot, which is shocking to me. You didn't think that size and length would be predictive at safety, but it is loosely just on its own. And, uh, you know, that doesn't change. That is something you can, you can use in free agency. And then there's some guys, right, in, in undrafted free agency and uh, guys that maybe get cut or are, are still – would be in the first couple of years of their career and somehow become available for whatever reason. Uh, guys like David Bruton, the safety from, uh, from Denver, he was an elite uh, Sladex athlete. Uh, he was a, he was a, he's a Sladex legend and Washington picked him up for next to nothing this off season. And he's a guy that I'm very interested to see how he turns out because safeties have been a position that have been very interesting to watch in my data. And, and he's a guy that's at the top of the list in almost everything. Um, and obviously it was a few years ago that all that testing took place, but, uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of tread on the tires, so I'd like to see what happens. Now, Ethan, your first piece over at Inside the Pylon took a look at uh, the wisdom or lack thereof when it comes to drafting kickers and punters. I want to give you a chance to kind of highlight the research that you did for that piece and what your findings kind of showed. Care- yeah, so careful, it, it, Ethan. Be very careful uh, here. <laughs> I, I, I can't forget I'm talking to a kicker. So <laughs> No, you and I are in complete uh, agreement on this, though. Okay, good. So uh, basically, I'm, I'm running a huge uh, study in terms of building a trade draft chart, uh, and uh, a lot of other things are going into this, this uh, second project I'm working on. And the first thing I, I identified was, you know, I'm doing work with every position, and I quickly realized that uh, kickers and punters needed to be filtered out for a couple of reasons, one being there's no point in drafting them. And, you know, I had to go about proving that. So I wrote, uh, ran a quick little project and uh, posted the results on inside the pylon. I basically took uh, the AV, the approximate value, which is PFR stat, 
uh, not a perfect step by any means, but it serves as the best uh, football outcome, in my opinion, in terms of scalability with big data. So I took that for every kicker and punter since 2005 that had been drafted and every kicker and punter since 2005 that has been undrafted. And this is guys, these are guys that have just played in the game since 2005 to now. So that means Vinatieri was included. That means Matt Stover, right? All those guys are included in this data set. So I'm taking these guys and I'm measuring their AV relative to their undrafted counterparts and measuring, you know, is there any benefit to drafting a kicker, even marginal? And uh, the, the conclusion my data came to was, no, there's not. The undrafted kickers actually outperformed the drafted kickers. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Not to say that undrafted kickers are always better, but I think it's just so random to predict how a kicker will translate to the NFL that I don't think anyone's good at, at evaluating them. And and in terms of in the NFL, it's, it's kind of proven that they're not good at evaluating them when they draft these guys year in and year out. And, you know, there's guys on the street that come in and outperform them. So, so why waste the pick, right? I mean, kickers are becoming so much more efficient as a group, right? It's so easy to find one that's good just out of nowhere. So it doesn't really make sense in my mind to waste an asset like a draft pick to, to do that. And then that's, that's something that I, I had to kind of prove for my big study to have kickers be omitted. Um, punters, similar situation. Um, I think the punters actually did outperform the undrafted punters slightly, but the difference between the undrafted punters and the drafted punters compared to say the undrafted wide receivers and wide receivers is about, you know, I don't, I don't, don't quote me on this, but it's way off. Like it's the, the difference between drafting a punter and not drafting a punter is so marginal that I don't think it's worth it either. Even if there's a slight advantage, uh, I think it's much better to draft a position player and you can find a punter as well. The reason I do think the kicker, the punters are marginally better though is, due to the fact that they are so statistical in nature. It's easy to evaluate a punter. You look at net, you look at uh, kicks inside the 20 efficiency, you look at some of those other things. I think it's easier to, to judge them statistically in terms of, you know, you don't have to factor in the clutch factor as much. There's other things you don't really have to look into as much as you would with, say, a kicker. Um, and even though there is a marginal benefit to drafting one, it's nowhere near the value of the pick you'd be using on that punter. So... You know, my and so that was why I decided to omit kickers and punters for my bigger study, and uh, just wanted to mathematically prove that and posted that up on ITP. So here's a question for you, and this is something that I have I have my own theories on, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Do you think the reason that it's easy or that it's possible to wait until after the draft to address these positions is because there are too many good kickers and punters? or because teams are so bad at identifying them in the draft that the good ones end up going undrafted anyways? Again, answer this one wisely, Ethan. <laughs> um, I think that's a fair question, and I don't think anyone knows the answer to it, to be honest. Um, it could be a little bit of both. Um, if, you know, if gun to my head, I'd probably say they're just not good at evaluating them because of the mental component, the, the clutch, right? I mean, in, in the NFL is always going to be a little bit more. And, and in terms of, you know, uh, I have a little bit of a baseball background and, and a guy gets the yips right on the mound. Uh, he just can't throw strikes. I think kickers can sort of get the yips too. They can get in their own head. And you don't really see that with punters, I wouldn't think, as much. Uh, I'm not around punters on a daily basis. but It's a good thing. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would think it was more, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to answer this perfectly, but I would think it was more the fact that they're not good at evaluating them and it's so easy to find good ones. There's so many. Yeah, I think it's both. There's so many good ones and they're not good at evaluating them that trading up for a kicker in the second round doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Very good. Got about a minute left. What's uh, what's the big plan for you this summer? What are the big things that you're uh, working on? Is it going to be that uh, essentially the project you mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah. So that that's uh, coming to a head here. Really getting good progress on that. Um, don't want to get in too many details, but basically it's a it's a trade value chart similar to some uh, you know the Jimmy Johnson that kind of stuff, kind of proving uh, why that's not the best way and um, so on alternatives and. Um, sort of a different approach to it too, not, not just numerical pick values, uh, sort of a more dynamic system that fluctuates by draft class and some other uh, cool position adjustments and other things like that. Very cool. Well, Ethan, uh, great to have you on here for the first time. And obviously, uh, we got a ton to talk about this summer, I think. So we'll make sure we'll get you back in pretty soon uh, and uh, hopefully dig in a little bit deeper. All right. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Outstanding. Lot, awesome stuff. Awesome. I, I just love numbers. It, yeah, I, you do, man. Uh, it's, it's really not healthy for me. But that is all the time we have today. Hopefully, you got a little, uh, had a little bit of fun nerding out with us here. If you did, hit that subscribe button. We're coming back tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. <laughs>